Hey, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. Today, we're going to talk about starting a fund. Should you start a fund? And if not, when? And today's guest is Bridger Pennington. And he is essentially, not only does he have funds, but he teaches how to launch a fund. And he believes that you don't need an Ivy League education or 20 years on Wall Street to start or manage a fund. So you're going to definitely want to stay tuned to this because it is really cool stuff. I want to give a shout out to Joe Hornet. And he left us a, re- a review on iTunes for the podcast. He says, Michael and Garrett do a great job of encouraging a new entrepreneur. Love the show as well. Uh, I want to give an, a shout out to Sean Devote and Marco Arias. They were two mentoring students of ours, and they just closed 20 units worth $1.4 million in Milwaukee just a couple months ago. We just learned of it here. And so congratulations to Sean and Marco as well. If you want to get into syndications, but you're really not sure how to do it, you feel like you want someone to look over your shoulder, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. And it's great if you want to get into it very quickly, do your first deal in the next in the first six months and scale a little faster and have someone to make sure that you avoid the big mistakes. You get to work one-on-one with an experienced full-time syndicator. So check it out, themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor and schedule a call with us as well. With that, let's get our co-host on the show. Garrett, what's going on? What's going on, Michael? So today we're all going to about talk about fun with someone who's done it and it teaches it, which is really cool. Now, we haven't done a fun yet. Garrett, why not? Yeah, you know, I think we've gotten really good at our niche in syndications, not for lack of exploration. We've looked at it and it's not to say that we won't do it in the future. We just, you know, there's a part of the pros of doing the fund, which we'll get into on this show that, you know, or the the pros of doing syndications rather that, that we like a lot, that's proven to be fairly successful and you know, it is the excitement of the next deal that that comes up. But a lot of our a lot of our peers have gone into fund mode. They've gone back and forth. Some have gone exclusively over. It's something that's very, you know, it kind of flows everywhere inside of the the larger syndicators, and it's not something that everybody's done, but a lot of people have. So I know I know I have a friend who's done, you know, over a billion in, in just syndications. You know, it's you can scale both. And there's pros and cons to to each. Yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about here today. But you're right, the spectrum is pretty wide. There are people who've waited a long time after raising $100 million before they go to fund. Some done two deals and they're going to a fund. And then everybody else is in, in the middle. And there really are pros and cons to that as well. And, you know, we talked about things like one of the things we like about on a deal by deal basis is investors really like it. They can invest in a particular property. They see pictures of it. We can do a, a webinar launch, which is very exciting and gets the people, get the investors in a deal where a fund might be open six, nine, 12 months and it's not nearly as exciting, but you can raise more money. You know, there's advantages of it over it. There's more diversification for the investor. There's pros and cons. At the end of the day, you got to ask yourself the question, what problem are you solving, right? And and or what opportunity do you want to take advantage of that you're not taking advantage of? And that's kind of the conversations we've had. You know, when we do a deal, we'll, we'll do it for, and we'll raise the money for it, we'll close the deal, and then we'll do another one. And there's really not necessarily a problem to be solved. But 
you know, Bridger has some really good points today, as well as Joe Fairless, uh, I think last year when I interviewed him about this stuff, some good points about diversification and liquidity and being able to raise uh, money all the time versus having to tell someone to wait, things of that nature. But let's listen to the expert here and maybe we'll learn a thing or two, Garrett, and maybe we'll change our mind. But let's get an interview here with Bridger Pennington. He has founded several funds himself. In those funds, he's done 326 plus transactions, not just in real estate, but variety of different industries. He's got a team of, of advisors around him, including his dad, who, who has basically has managed $26 billion in funds. So he comes from a long line of fund managers. And the difference with him is he's a younger guy and he's really excited about teaching this kind of stuff, which is why we have him on, on the show here. And he's a little bit contrary probably to the Wall Street worlds because he doesn't think you need to get into Wall Street and you don't need an Ivy League you know, degree to get into funds. So let's see what Bridger has to say about launching a fund. Bridger, welcome to the show today. Fellas, excited to be on. It's going to be fun. So we're talking about the world of funds, which is really cool. But tell us really quick what you, what you do, what you've been doing for the last few years. Yeah, I'll give you the 30-second background. So I'm the founder of now three investment funds. So I ran two debt funds prior to this. And then right now we just launched a hedge fund. Um, we just raised over $10 million for that and launched that June 1st, which is really fun. So that's been doing really well. I also, just my background, my dad is co-founder of a massive family of real estate funds. They manage about $36 billion right now in real estate. So, and we can tell his story. He's got an awesome story and kind of how I got into funds and everything, but huge mentor of mine. My brother is also a securities attorney at the largest law firm in the world for funds. They charge clients over 2 billion a year in legal fees. They're massive. Kirkland Ellis, they're huge. So us three came together and we started making content online for fund managers and people that want to start a fund or do syndications or raise capital because no one was teaching this. All three of us, none of us went to Harvard. None of us went to Ivy League schools. We're kind of just grassroots entrepreneurs, I guess you could say. And started making this. So we started a company called Fund Launch about three years ago. And it's it's just blown up. It's been crazy. We've got, I think, 20,000 people in our groups and programs. And we just threw an event a few months ago called Fund Launch Live. We had 1,200 fund managers in person. It's just been, it's been awesome. So we do coaching. We, got, we now partner with funds. So we have a bunch of partner funds. We, we have one of our student funds has over a billion in it, two funds over a hundred million. We help funds that are in private equity, hedge funds, venture capital, real estate funds, debt funds, We've got about, I've got about 42 employees now in this company. It's pretty fun. So I've got kind of those two, two aspects of what we run. And anyways, it's a good time. So, so it's pretty cool. So, so you're teaching people how to launch a fund as well, right? So when, when you say mm-hmm. launch a fund, like what does that mean to you in your world? Like in my world, it's, you know, it's a syndication and we raise a bunch of money and we go out and bunch a bunch of real estate with it. And, and maybe that's similar in your world, but what does that, what does it mean to launch a fund? Yeah. I mean, we can go as technical as you want. I mean, a fund in the most basic sense you guys talk about is just a pool of capital, right? You're just raising capital and you're going to go buy real estate in your example. A fund between syndications and funds, kind of the big difference is a syndication is typically done deal by deal basis, which is good. So you're going to go take down a 30 unit apartment complex is cool. We're going to raise some capital in a syndication for that one deal. We're going to do that deal. We'll pay everybody out and everyone makes money. A fund typically is the next tier of syndications. So you'll set up a fund of, instead of doing 20 syndications, deal by deal, you got to raise new capital. You're calling investors. There's one investor on the Friday that doesn't want to send their money in, you know, that whole problem. You say, hey, instead of doing that, we're going to raise a huge pool of money. Let's call it a half a billion dollars, $500 million. And now we can go buy uh, 30 or 40 
apartment complexes and we put them all together. And our whole fund is now diversified across all these apartment complexes. gives us economies of scale. We can now go to banks to negotiate lower rates. We don't have to work with all every a new investor for every single deal. When we see a good deal, we can close tomorrow because we don't have to go raise new capital, set up new entities. Everything's already set up at day one. So kind of transition from a syndicate to a fund. Most successful people that I meet in finance, they either want to one day or, or they already are getting into the fund world just because a fund allows you to scale so much faster. You get better rates, better terms. There's just, there's so many better things that happen. Um, now, syndicates are great. You can make tons of good money doing syndicates, but it's just kind of the next level of that. So with what we do, we help people primarily doing the fat fund setup. It's usually a lot more paperwork, a lot more compliance, SCC, but it's usually worth it because of the, the scalability of it on there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. And at what point should someone start thinking about a fund? In other words, who is kind of like your average, you know, student coming in and when do they come to you at what point? Like what is their background and give me the like, sense of the, for their experience and, and size of what they want to do and, and why they want to do it. Yeah, that's a great question. We get people, first off, we get people from all over the place, but our ideal person has already done a handful of syndications. So they've already done it, or and that now whether they organized it, whether they actually did the real estate doesn't matter, but they've been a part of I would say five or six syndications. And they're saying, hey, we've got a great team, we've got a great model, we just now want to scale. Instead of doing 20 unit apartment complexes, we want to do 200 unit apartment complexes or 2000 unit apartment complexes, right? That's our ideal customer. Same thing with traders. Hey, I've been trading my own money for, you know, I've got 200 grand. I trade my own money. I've been killing it. I now want to raise 20 million and trade with other people's money. Or I've we actually, the other group we have is entrepreneurs. So the other group we have is people that run a business. Hey, I run, well, actually one of our clients, he, was, he runs a gun store. Say, so, hey, I run this gun store. It does well. I want to buy out my competitors in the state. So what he did, he's like, dude, I want to raise like 10 million bucks and I can buy out the four biggest competitors in my state. And I will have essentially a monopoly on my state for gun sales. I was like, cool, that's awesome. So it's a private equity play. We've seen a lot of people do that with restaurants or car washes mm. or like small tier. It's actually really cool. Uh, these little niche funds that people have. One guy was doing funeral homes. He'd buy out funeral homes and flip them. He could double the value in about 12 months. So we have a lot of people. Yes, it's traditional like multifamily real estate fund, but there's a lot of people that are in these like really cool niches that just needs more capital to scale. So that's the ideal person. We help people do syndicates and all sorts of other cool stuff, but that's the ideal person, yeah. Does the type and, and the, the way you raise capital change when you move to a fund or it, you basically whoever does a syndication before just does more of that? It's just that the legal vehicle is gonna be now fund or do you introduce them to a type, a new type of fundraising, private equity or, or anything like, like that? Yeah, great question. So yeah, the answer is yes to both. It depends on what works for you and where you wanna go. Oftentimes, the same investors that invest you with in syndicates will probably invest with you with a fund. Now, some might say, I don't want to do a fund or whatever. You just say, tough. Hey, if you want it, we're the best in the business. If you want to work with us now, we're going to use a fund because it gives, first off, you a lot of benefits. You're diversified amongst deals. You're safer legally. I don't know if you've been in a syndicate where partners try to sue each other. Depending on how you set up your syndicate, some are set up kind of loose and you can get into pretty bad legal deals if somebody's trying to be strong arms somebody else out. A fund protects you from other investors. Anyways, a lot of pros there. So again, it can be the same investors. Oftentimes though, the fund, and maybe it's not your first fund, but it grows into a second or a third or fourth fund. You then can go to large family offices and institutions. They're, they become now, okay, this person is an, uh, and they're not just doing deal by deals. They're doing a full fund. We want to allocate 20 to $40 million into this group. That's kind of the tier that you start getting to through the fund vehicle. So 
what are some of the pros of a fund? And, and maybe talk about some of the cons as well, because it's probably yeah. not for everyone. And there's probably some cons, some downsides of doing a fund. Talk, talk about some of the pros and cons of, of a fund. Yeah, yeah. Great question. So pros and cons. So let's just do syndicates versus funds. So syndicates, fast to set up, typically. I would say relatively inexpensive. And investors like coming, a lot of times, like I'm on this deal or I'm investing directly into a property. They can see it. It's tangible. You're going to go pitch them like, hey, we got this thing in Dallas, Texas, it's 20 units. We're going to buy it. So those are the pros of a syndication. The cons of a syndication would be investors can kind of sue each other. Depending on how you set it up, can sue each other. Sometimes you get on the hook for some liabilities in that, in that deal. And then oftentimes it's, it's sometimes not scalable, right? It's hard to do a deal and you got to just close that deal, do the next one. It's, it's hard to scale. You don't get as many. And then anyways, that kind of contrasts back to the fund pros and cons. So a fund pro would be scalability. You can take down bigger deals with more money. You can pull in bigger amounts of capital and have a, a real big system around it. Legal protection is way better in a fund. Now, depending on how you set up your syndication, but typically fund protection is way better between investors suing you, suing other investors. I mean, it's it's really a way better protection for you. And then um, third, you get access to usually better credit from banks. You get way better financing. You get better terms, better loans, all that kind of stuff from banks in a fund just because you're bigger. And then I think I, I can't remember what I got out of order, but access to larger capital, right? And diversified across number of properties. So your investors now are, if you have a hundred properties, yeah, five will go bad. Five will do amazing. And you know, 90 will be in the middle and you get diversified across all those properties. So cons of a fund, more expensive, a little more time to set up and investors are investing into a pool of money, not investing into a direct property. So a little bit harder usually to raise capital a little bit. Now it just depends on syndications, funds, and the fund manager, but those are kind of some, some pros and cons. If I'm, I'm talking quick, hopefully that you guys, I don't know if you got that down, but that would that would be a few things. So Bridger, one common thing that we as well, you know, we kind of go back and forth on is, well, we have a lot of repeat investors on the syndication side. They get excited about that deal and then they'll come in, you know, three, four, five times in a year into different syndications that come in versus if we just did a fund and we pool all those properties together, we may only get one investment from them. How do people look at that? How do they overcome that issue? I mean, Talk to us a little bit about that. So it depends on your investor. Some investors like to like, it sounds like your investor likes to see the deal. They get excited about it. They want to put money into that deal. I'm guessing that now it depends on your investors. You could come to that same investor and say, Hey, last year you invested five times. We're going to, instead of bugging you every single month about a new investment, you got to hop on a Zoom call. A lot of investors don't want to be bugged. They just want to write a check and get out of it, you know, and get and just put their money to work. Say, come in our, come in our fund. We're going to do the same number of deals we did last year, but now we're just grouping them all in a fund. It's going to be way easier for you. You can write one, you can give one subscription at the beginning and then move on. Additionally, investors can do increases of their subscription. So if they start out with $100,000 and then two months later, hey, I got some more money, they can actually increase their subscription to just add more to the fund as it goes. And you can decide that. So if you had, if your investors investing five times, they want to do that schedule in the future, cool. Yeah, we knew that in our fund. You just do it, you fill out a little form, you're going to increase your capital subscription every quarter. And you just increase there. So you can do the same thing there. I've seen investors that don't want to be bugged every quarter about a new investment, right? Stop bugging me, just get my money to work. Some like to be on the deal, but usually it's easier for the managers, you guys. It's a lot easier. You're not having to build a deck and repitch the same group. Okay, do you guys want to come in on the next one? Okay, capital get, is due on Friday. If they get excited about that, how do you overcome it in, in the fund setting? If it's Because it's one time, right? So if they're like, oh yeah, there's another deal. I mean, 
it's so it's you're I guess you're saying it's just kind of based on the investor and what their their kind of needs are because it's fun is more set it and forget it. But for the for the investor, and now you can you can do investor reporting as much as you want. So I see some funds that are active on that. Every month they're like, here's a cool new video, and we've just bought this new deal. It's awesome. Like you guys are in the fund, congrats. Like we just got this great deal. So they just do marketing. Typically, though, I'm just telling you. Yeah, I'm just telling you though, most fund managers I see just they're trying to scale. They're trying to get now hundreds or thousands of investors. And so they're they're less concerned about the hype. And usually the hype investors are usually the smaller investors. The bigger investors, the bigger you get, usually the less hype is involved in the investors, <laughs> at least in my experience, right? Um, and it's usually, you guys know this, it's usually the small investor that's the one that bugs you the most. The, the guy that gave you like a $20,000 check is usually the one that's bugging you every day about their money. The guy that writes you a $2 million check is like, cool, I'm good. Let me know when I get the money back, right? So anyways, so what does that help answer that question? What but again, it depends say. on the investor. So yeah, if if you so you have if you have to educate your investors, hey, we're not going to come to you four times a year. So it's a one thing. What, you know, what's your allocation for the year? Let's get your your sketch commitment down, and you can increase your subscription one time. That makes a lot of sense. Well, not not necessarily. Let me just clarify too, Michael. You can do whatever you want in a fund. The best part about funds, you write the rules. If you want to come to them four times a year and get new subscriptions, you can do that. You write that in your little LPM PPM. Like it's totally fine to do it. I'm just telling you, most don't. But you can do that if you'd like. You can come back to them. Hey, we got new deals. We got a whole new deal flow coming in. Do you guys want to add more? Do you want to put some money? And you'll do capital calls as well. So you say, hey, you you committed a, a million dollars. We're going to call 25% now. We're going to call another 25%. Let me ask you about that. So, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, one of the issues is, yeah. let's say in a syndication, you actually take the money in the escrow because you have a deal that's going to close in 30 days. But in a fund, let's say it's a $50 million fund and I buy a $25 million deal. I can't have $50 million in a bank because I don't have that second deal yet. So how do you address that? And it sounds like you're, instead of taking money per se, you get a legal commitment of some sort, and then you do a capital call. How does that work? Yeah, great question. Again, you can decide how you want to do it. Most funds will do a capital call structure. Say, hey, we have a deal lined up. We're going to call in 25% of our funds to do this deal, right? You issue a capital call. They have 10 days to wire their money, and they have a legal obligation to wire that money in. If they don't wire their money in, there's a huge penalty too. And they know about that. So they're, I mean, because sometimes syndications, I've I've had some mentors, you know, it's like the Friday afternoon and the wire didn't hit, right? And they miss it. And so a lot of times you'll do a capital call structure and they you call the capital in, they wire their capital in, and then they they go from there. Now, some funds take more money up front. Let's say they're a $50 million fund, like you said, and they know they're gonna do, they're doing like let's call it a single family fund. They're gonna do hundreds of deals, right? They'll just call in, okay, we want to call in $15 million for the next six months. And they just start doing deals, as many deals as they want. Some other funds, you also can set up lines of credit with banks. So a bank, so if you, let's say, you know, it takes, let's call it 14 days to do a capital call, but you got a deal that you want to close on in three days. Most banks with a fund will give you a line of credit for capital calls, specifically, like it's, a, it's specific just for capital calls. So they will say, hey, we'll give you a line of $25 million that you can use for 45 days pending that your capital calls will all hit and then you can repay us back. Very standard practice in funds so that so that you can just transact. Because that's the, one of the biggest things is you want to make sure you transact and build a reputation. That's actually one of my mentors. The reason he switched from syndications to funds was they had a deal. It was like an eight and a half million dollar deal. One of their investors didn't wire in the last 250 grand. They missed the deal. It hurt their reputation. And they were like, man, we, we can't do this anymore. We have to have a structure that's designed where we can 
close, we can transact, we can do more deal flow and we're going to win better properties. The other thing I was, I was going to say, another actually guy, they run a multi-billion dollar real estate fund. He was telling me, he's like, we win deals usually three to 4% lower than the highest bidder because we run a fund. I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, let's just, for a broad example, let's say it's a $100 million property where we're trying to take down. We'll bid 96 million and somebody else builds, a, builds 100 million. But our 96 million is backed by a fund and they know we can transact. They know all the deals we've ever done. Because a, a, a deal isn't just about money, it's about terms, right? And so the terms, they go, a syndication will come build a bit of 100 million, but they're going to try to call everybody up and they have 60 days to close. We'll close in 14 days and they know we'll close at 96 million. They typically will sell us the, the deal. They're okay with that. And we win deals at discounts because of a fund. So now again, I want to clarify, we teach funds. We also teach syndications though. Syndications are awesome. I'm not saying syndications are bad. Syndications are really great. They're just pros and cons to both. And we help people do both. So good questions, you guys. Yeah. If you're interested in passively investing in multifamily syndications, then check out our investment firm, Nighthawk Equity at nighthawkequity.com. You can learn more about us, our team, our track record and investment process, and you can schedule a call with us as well. Just click the join button. You can fill out a short form to join our investment club, and then you can schedule a call with us. We'd love to have a conversation with you and share some of our upcoming opportunities. Again, that's nighthawkequity.com. Talk to you soon. How do you see a lot of people structuring their funds? Like what, give us some of the kind of the, the splits or their prefs involved. What does it look like typically? So primarily on like the waterfall structure. So yeah, most, and I'll just use real estate since you guys are talking real estate, a lot of funds I will see do around a 2% management fee on capital raised and that's capital called and deployed too. They then will do an 8% pref. So sorry, let me back up a little bit. What we're talking about here is returns. So it's people that don't know what I'm talking about. So uh, let's just say an example. Let's say our fund, we have a real estate fund. It produced a 22% return just total for the fund. How does that get split between managers and investors? How does everyone get paid? It's kind of what we're talking about. It's called a waterfall distribution. So typically they tier it out. So what I was saying was an 8% pref. So a lot of funds that I see in real estate, they do first 8% goes to the investor. So what they'll say is, hey, if our fund makes a 7% this year, all 7% goes to you as the investor. We don't make any money on performance unless we get at least 8%. We want to beat the market. So that's called the, usually called a preferential rate of return or a pref is kind of the, the terminology. So a lot, of, a lot of them I see it as an 8% pref. They then will do a catch up. So let's just say, let's just use broad numbers. So let's say first 8% goes to the investor. Ninth and 10th percentile come to me as the fund manager. So that would be a catch-up. So now there's different ones you can do, but that's that's the example. Would be like so the the full eight percent and the full ninth percent come to me as the fund manager, and then on the example, let's say we got a twenty-two percent return. So we did first eight percent to the investor, ninth and tenth percentile comes to me, and then from ten, the tenth now we're to ten to twenty-two, we split eighty twenty. So eighty percent of that twelve percent next available. So eighty percent of the ten to twenty-two goes to the investor, and twenty percent comes to me as the fund manager running the fund. I think the math comes out to like 4.4% or something and, and investors would take home like a 16 and a half. Anyways, I don't have the math in front of me, but 16 or 17%, they would take as their cash on cash return on the investment. You would take home a 4%, somewhere around there, four and a half percent. That's how you get paid, which is pretty awesome. So 
Now, other funds will also charge a management fee. Some do, some don't. They just charge a fee to like run the fund and keep it up. A lot of times it's 2%. So you'll hear from funds, they'll say a two and 20. It's a very common term. Like, hey, I run a two and 20 fund. It's usually a 2% management fee and 20% carried interest is what they call. So that 80-20 split, 20% would be what's called carried interest. And by the way, that carried interest piece, and hopefully this isn't, maybe I'm talking too fast. We can clarify if we want to go back a little bit, but that carried interest, that 20%, this is why Harvard people, Stanford, they tooth and nail claw, they worked their way up for 20 years to make carried interest. I mean, that is their whole goal. You can make insane amounts of money on, and you might just say, well, we made 4%. Yeah. You made 4%, not on your own money though. You made 4% or four, maybe 5% on the entire fund. So if you had a hundred million dollar fund, that would be four to $6 million. If you had a billion dollar fund, that would be 40 to $60 million. If you had a multi, you can just do the math, right? You're making that on the entire fund. That's why funds are so scalable. That's why people get just, they just love funds. They want to get that. Can you clarify how the lower rate clarify what, what you mean by carried interest? So carried interest is, so I mentioned earlier that 8% pref, the 2% mm-hmm. catch up, and then the, essentially the performance fees. So that 80, 20 split, that 20% is called carried interest is the, the terminology for it. So it's essentially the performance of your fund. So if the fund performs, I take 20% of them as the manager, that's called carried interest. That's actually taxed at a lower rate, just so everyone's aware too. So the reason like Mitt Romney and Donald Trump and stuff pay really low in taxes, number one, they have a lot of real estate. Number two, they run funds. Those are not taxed at normal, ordinary income rates. They're taxed at capital, long-term capital gains rates. It's freaking amazing. And if you run a real estate fund, you can depreciate your real estate and so your effective tax rate, like Mitt Romney was like, what, 4% or 5, 6%. And people were all mad about it. And I was like, that's amazing, right? That's so cool. Um, the other thing that's interesting, and people say that's wrong. The, the IRS has incentivized entrepreneurs to take risk and run funds because carried interest gets taxed. They want people to take the risk. They want people to pool capital from foreign entities and other entities in the United States and do investments like this. And they'll, they'll give you a big tax break for doing it, which is pretty cool. Is that clarify? I don't know if I talk too fast, Gary. Is that good enough though? No, that's good. That's good man. Yeah, I, I wanted to understand how you're seeing a lot of these done. And I think that makes a lot of sense. So the language terminology is it's a little bit different than some of the syndications and stuff like that that we've seen, but it's really interesting to see how you guys position it in this context. And it, it sounds like there's a lot of great advantages. The taxes thing, if clarifying that a little bit. So you said long-term capital gains. Versus short term, does, now does that go into effect right away? So they just, Trump actually just changed this rule. So you have to hold the assets for three years in your fund. So real estate actually usually fits most people's timeline. If you hold the asset for three years, you pay. And they raised it from twenty to twenty five percent. So you Trump just did that right before he left office. So twenty, you'll pay twenty five percent on that carried interest. The performance fees that you earn from your fund performing would be at that tax rate. Yeah. Does that Got make it. sense? Does that clarify? Yeah, yeah, that make that makes sense. Just curious, Bridger, with your new setup, and you're, so you're getting people into these funds. What is a typical fund size? Of someone that gets going with you? Yeah, it's a good question. We help people all over the place. So I'll give you a few examples of just saying, like in real life, like what people are doing. We actually have a lot of people doing multifamily, people doing mixed use, people doing storage units, people doing 
I mean, all, every little sector of real estate that you can imagine, we have people doing it. They are building, I mean, the coolest real estate projects you've ever seen. Most groups, I would say an average real estate size for us is 20 to 30 million would be an average target of capital raised. So they're trying how to quick raise- are they, How quick do they raise that typically? Now, again, everyone's different. So I would say, you know, people that are raising anywhere from 10 to 20, it's usually eight months, six to eight months, maybe a year. They would go out and raise that. And now they can start buying stuff as they raise it. Now, to clarify too, if you raise $10 million, you can lever that up. You can buy 40 to $50 million of real estate, right? That's $10 million of equity raised to lever up to, to a, a higher amount. So now we have people all over the board. We have some people raising 500 grand in a fund structure and they want to buy $3 million, right? You know, we have people doing it all over the place. So a couple of people though, it's kind of cool outside of real estate. We have people doing solar farms. We have people raising funds to go and do solar farms. We have one of the, one of the guys in our group, he's the largest, let's see, largest hydrogen energy plant in America. They take cow manure and they turn it into hydrogen. He owns the largest facility. He wants to build two more facilities. He, he just raised initially 45 million. And then he was raising another 45 million last I spoke to him. It's pretty cool. cool. Uh, somebody else doing funeral homes. So this guy in our group is crazy. He found that he could buy funeral homes, mom and pop funeral homes, and he could group them together under a, a it taking about 12 months, 18 months. He could sell them after putting them under, you know, economies of scale under one roof. He could sell them for about double of what he bought them for to a bigger private equity firm. So he, every year, every about 18 months, he buys about eight to $10 million of funeral homes. And he literally turns around and sells them for 16 to $20 million in 12 to eight months. He pays his investors back. He makes about a $2 million spread doing that every 18 months and just repeats it. It's that's like, dude, crazy. that's amazing. So cool. <laughs> so <laughs> I like, like, love it. It's like one of those things. So you can do this in a lot of different industries, but if you pull up a bunch of types of businesses, it attracts a different buyer on the other mm -hmm. side, right? So you, yep. you're, now you're getting looks from like hedge funds and, and larger money managers and stuff like that. that they're going to look at your business more seriously if you have that kind of scale and volume, which is pretty cool. Uh, that's, yeah. that's exactly what you're talking about with that. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Um, and somebody else in our group, one more, I'll just say, uh, they were buying Hollywood scripts from broke writers in Hollywood yeah. They'll buy a script for like 30 or 50 grand from them. And they'll turn around and sell them to HBO max, Netflix, Amazon prime, whatever video services. They sell them for 200 to $300,000. That's their <laughs> entire fund. That's all they do. Like, it's so cool. Like there's so many little niche funds and like, anyways, we have funds doing real estate with like crypto mining. So they build mines. They own the real estate for crypto. I mean, there's just like every little niche of real estate you've ever seen. We have people doing it. It's, it's really fascinating. It's really cool. So this has been a, a ton of fun, man. I, I, I love this kind of stuff. You know, it's, a, it's next level stuff. Really love it. How can people learn more about what you do and the kind of training that you guys have? Yeah. So we have a free, like totally free course on funds. We actually put out, we have other stuff too. We have coaching groups and other stuff. We have a free course on funds. It's the best place if you want to learn about funds or learn more about what I'm talking about. If you go to fundlaunch.com, um, right there, you can just opt in. There's a free course and people might be asking, what's the catch? Like, why do you guys do this? We, we have, I think like 10, I think it's maybe it's 12,000 people now in that free course. It's awesome. And you opt in. My whole goal is I want to provide a ton of value up front. And really, I just want to educate people on funds. I run a fund. I make plenty of money running my fund. It's great. I really want to democratize this whole world of funds. And so we try to give a ton of value up front. And if people want to launch a fund or do their own fund, we hope that people remember us like, man, Bridger, that was awesome. Like they're constantly put out with fund launch. It's amazing. I'm going to call them. And, and we have groups, we have lawyers and we have all the, all the administrators, the accounting, the audits, like the SEC stuff. We help people put that all together. 
And obviously those are like, we have paid coaching groups and other stuff, but I tell everybody just go get the free course. It's funlaunch.com right there and grab it. And yeah, pretty fun. I love it so much, man. It's been great jamming with you, Bridger. Great to have you on the show. Well, you guys are amazing. Michael and Garrett, thanks for having me on. This is a fun show. It was awesome. Yeah, I think Bridger had some good points. I think he touched both on the, on the pros and cons of, of syndication versus a, a fund. And one of the things, Garrett, that I really like about a fund is that you can always raise money. Because right? So instead of having an investor call you and you say, oh my gosh, I don't have a deal right now. Let's talk again when we do. And then that investor goes away and maybe invests somewhere else. So I like the ability to say, you know what, I'll send you the paperwork. And he addressed that, the thing about, hey, you don't have to wire the money right now. It's a legal obligation. And I might call you and say 90 days. But meanwhile, I have that investor committed. And I like that part of it. I think that, like he mentioned, there, a lot of it's about timing. So, and we even noticed that in our syndications where a lot of times we get a, a, quite a few investors from people that call us within you know, a certain allowed, allowed amount of time, but it's more recent. And, and so we know that they have the funds then, and those people typically end up coming in, they have a need. And so this allows, this, this vehicle allows you to capture those funds right away at the point where people are feeling the pain in some other area where they need to invest their money somewhere. And so I, I thought that, that that was really interesting. Of course, I think on the the structuring side, you know, there, there definitely are benefits to having diversification around a bunch of different assets. And it, it's it could be maybe it, it's all real estate, maybe it's a combination of real estate. I've seen people do funds where it's like gold and and like real estate. So it's like you can you can combine things, which is kind of cool. I think we would have to modify some, some ways we raise capital right now. I mean, for example, one of the things I like about raising for the deal is you have a very exciting webinar and there's some some urgency. You know, people have to get get in, otherwise they miss it. And so there's a there's a sense of urgency there which you lose in a, in a fund. Uh, but if I look at some one way to overcome that is potentially whenever we do a deal is to advertise that to the list and and use that as a way, kind of in a similar fashion to, to create some excitement around that. So I think we would have to modify some of the ways we go about raising capital uh, if we go if we go that that route. But it's certainly something that you know we may we may consider here in, in the future. So we we want all you guys in our deals. So and and a yeah. lot of times the thing that pains me is that we launch a deal and we can't get everyone in there. So much That's demand, right. so many people want to jump in right. and we have to close it off at a certain point for that deal. And sometimes, you know, the people that we have relationships with, they're, you know, they're, they're getting in more sooner or whatever it is. And we, we want to be able to accommodate everyone at some point. So that's, that's the pain point that I, that I see definitely on, on the syndication side that would solve with a fund potentially. And that's a that's a good point, and, and it is timing. Like like I said, you know, there's liquidity because your your house closing got delayed by 30 days, and now you're gonna miss the you're gonna miss the deal, and that's a shame. Or you know, you're trying to move money around, and for some reason you don't get in. That's also a shame, and the fund would would solve that. It would serve our investors. So we definitely have to think about that a little bit more. Nevertheless, we are really looking at opportunities all the time. We are seeing some opportunity now with what's going on right now in, in the world. And so if you'd like to talk to about investing in real estate syndications, our investment company is called Nighthawk Equity. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Go to nighthawkequity.com and just click the join button and schedule a call with us. Uh, we'd love to get to know you a little better and share some upcoming opportunities we have. So with that, go out there and make it happen. Get some deals done. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. 
Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.